Our scripture reading for today is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 28 to 35. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'd like to give a special welcome to those who are joining us in China. I was made aware of this a few weeks ago as we started streaming our services and was just thrilled to hear that around the globe we're able to reach another group of folks who are a part of Evergreen Covenant through technology. Thank you for watching and especially I just want to say hi to one friend, Susan, who I met before she flew back uh, last winter. But again, just a reminder that we are grateful for your participation with us. And we want you to know that we are all a part of the same global family. This is not anything that's bounded by nations. This is something that we are all understanding together and going through together as Christians through the power of Jesus Christ. God bless you. Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Good morning, and just a reminder that we're continuing our series in the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. We started a series in Lent, appearances and encounters with Jesus, and now we're obviously moving into the Easter season and discussing those appearances of Jesus after his resurrection. This is the second part of a series on the story of the road to Emmaus, and last Sunday, I challenged you to take a walk with Jesus, because that's the encounter that we looked at, Jesus appearing to two of his disciples on this road to a small town near Jerusalem. So here's my question. I'm borrowing this from Pastor Elise in her children's messages, because she interacts with people at home and asks them to yell out certain things. So here's my question, and I'll be listening. Where did you take your walk with Jesus. Yell it out because I can hear it right through the technology. So yell it out. Oh, fantastic. Some of you went to Marymore Park in Redmond. Excellent choice. I go there often myself when I'm in this area. Uh, how about another one? Fantastic. Washington Park Arboretum. I heard somebody went over into the Seattle side and walked through the beautiful Arboretum. Are there any more that you can yell out to me this morning? Of course, Mercerdale Park right here on Mercer Island across the street from the sanctuary. Well, good choices, all of you. If I missed your particular one, good job anyway. Well, today we're going to pick up the story at a point where Jesus now gets to have a meal with these two disciples. We saw them on the road. 
And now we're going to close the service later by looking at what does it mean for us to sit down with Jesus at a meal. And I want to recap last week again by saying that Jesus was always intent on conveying a bigger picture of who he was and actually who he is to us today. To Mary and Martha, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. To the two disciples last week, he said, I am the fulfillment of all of the Hebrew scriptures. Well, why is that important? Because in each of the encounters we've seen so far, Jesus is building their faith. They have questions about who he is, and they may have questions that he isn't answering. But line by line, precept by precept, Jesus is continuing to affirm their faith and reveal more of himself. And so we can bring our own questions to Jesus this morning as we pick up this encounter on the road. So let's take a look at Luke chapter 24, beginning with verse 28. As they approached the village to which they were going, i.e. Emmaus, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. What a thrill that must have been, even though they still didn't know who this stranger was. Jesus has more to reveal to them. He has more to do to build their faith, and so he joins them for supper. We already know this was a seven-mile walk, but more importantly, this is the day of Jesus' own resurrection. And so for the followers of Jesus, this had been a long, very stressful day. Verse 30, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks and broke it, and began to give it to them. And here the disciples that were sitting with Jesus were probably reminded of the place when Jesus fed 5,000, because the scriptures tell us there he broke bread and performed a miracle to feed that many people. They would also probably be thinking about what we call the Last Supper in the upper room, where Jesus, in fact, did the same thing by breaking bread. And here we see, because they're sitting at a dinner table, another clue about the post-resurrection body of Jesus himself. He ate food, as any human being would. In fact, you can see later in this chapter, we won't cover it this morning, but in Luke 24 at the end, Jesus appears to the disciples again as they're gathered in Jerusalem, and he has a statement that I just love because his humanity shines through. It's Luke 24, verse 41. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, Jesus asked them, do you have anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. He took it and ate it in their presence. Can you imagine Jesus walking into your home, into your kitchen, and saying, hey, could you tell me what's in the fridge? Could someone call Jerusalem Uber Eats? I'm hungry. That was a dynamic of the resurrected body of Jesus Christ. Another time in John 21, you can look this up, Jesus appeared to the disciples as they were out in the water fishing, and he decided to cook breakfast on the beach 
Verse 12 of chapter 21, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Jesus ate, he was hospitable. Part of his resurrection body was his human side. Well, let's go back to the text. In verse 31, it says that their eyes were opened, they recognized him. And then catch this, he disappeared from their sight. This long journey where Jesus is with them, now they're sharing a meal, and as soon as they recognize Jesus, he's gone. Again, I believe this is part of what Jesus' intent is, to build their faith. Another aspect of his resurrected body is this superpower. He could move through walls. He could suddenly appear and disappear at the same time. And so we see this divine characteristic mixed with his desire to have a meal. Verse 32, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? To me, this is the most endearing verse in this story on the road to Emmaus. Were not our hearts burning within us as we finally understood who this stranger was? Even though life had seemingly spun out of their control on this day after Jesus' crucifixion and possible resurrection, Jesus had given them enough light to see how they could go forward. They could not see everything, but they could see Jesus, and that was enough to comfort them, to encourage them, and most importantly, to give them hope for their future. So I have a question at this point. Have you ever had a spiritual experience that you might use this terminology where your heart spiritually was strangely warmed? John Wesley, who was the founder of the Methodist movement, he used this term of his conversion. And I quote, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation. And an assurance was given me that life, excuse me, that he had taken away my sins, even mine. I love that phrase. And so again, can you think this morning about times in your own spiritual experience where something about the truth of the gospel, something about the truth of the person of Jesus Christ warmed your heart, warmed your spirit? One time for me was in 1975. I've never forgotten it. I was sitting on a park bench on Magnolia Bluff looking out over Puget Sound on a beautiful summer day. And I happen to be reading a classic book that has shaped my life more than any other other than the Bible, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. And I remember reading some of the principles that Lewis was laying out about his own conversion. And my heart was strangely warmed as I realized the ultimate purpose for God in providing salvation was to actually transform my life into some of the very characteristics and virtues and qualities of Jesus himself. Something that happens in this life and that'll carry forward into eternity. Something for you to consider this afternoon. How 
has Jesus warmed your own heart to the truth of the gospel through the years? Let's go to verse 33. They got up, the disciples, uh, in other words, they returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how they recognized Jesus when he broke the bread. So this encounter with these two disciples has now brought them full circle to total faith in his resurrection. And when you have encountered the living Jesus, you want to share that experience with others. They were willing to take the seven-mile journey back to Jerusalem in order to tell their friends. This time, what a joyful conversation that must have been between the two of them as they prepared to share this with their close friends. So the Emmaus Road is important for so many reasons. We, like the two disciples on the road, we have our own doubts, our own confusion, disillusionments, and sometimes despair. But as Jesus opens our eyes, he points us as well as he did then to the truth of the scriptures and the truth of the resurrection upon which our entire faith is built. So often in our limited understanding of Jesus, we desire an answer to something that Jesus wants to give us an even bigger picture. His desire is for us to remember that he is the ultimate answer, Jesus himself. And so I remind us again that in this morning, Jesus is as alive today as he was on that glorious road to Emmaus. I want to close with this illustration. In the 1950s and 60s when I was growing up, Billy Graham began to have a global ministry. He would fill stadiums with the people who would come to hear the gospel. And early on, they televised these gatherings. This was also the early days of television, and so it was in black and white. It was very simple technology with likely one camera pointed at Billy as he spoke. It struck me that we're kind of in a similar era in most of our churches trying to ramp up to use technology to try and help people hear the gospel and respond to it. And so in the 50s and 60s, the gospel message was preached throughout the world by Billy Graham and the avenue of television, just like it is today through the internet. One individual story that has always stuck with me, there was a woman by the name of Ethel Waters, and Ethel Waters was a African-American jazz singer who became a big part of Billy's ministry but her career was really shaped around her career as a jazz singer. She was a predecessor to Billie Holiday and others who had a life in the jazz world. And at age 61, after three failed marriages and bankruptcy, Ethel Waters wandered into a Billy Graham crusade. 
And she gave her life to Jesus at age 61 in 1957. And Billy ended up having her become a part of his ministry team. And she would sing a signature song called His Eye is on the Sparrow that would always precede Billy's speaking. As a pastor over the years, I've had numerous people who have come up to me and said that they received Jesus after hearing an appeal to receive the gospel by Billy Graham through television, not attending necessarily, but actually responding in their own home. And so this morning, I'd like to offer that same invitation, that same possibility for you if you're unsure of where you are with Jesus, or maybe you need to rededicate your life again. That can happen through this medium in your own home. And so I want to consider you doing that, even as I lead all of us in an imaginative prayer. As I said at the beginning, this Sunday I want you to visualize that you're at a meal with Jesus. I want you to look into his face. What does his countenance communicate to you? What does his tone of voice say to you? What do you say to Jesus? What do you ask him? And what does he say to you? What does he ask of you? Can you give him your doubt, your sin, your uncertainties this morning? My encouragement this morning is to literally set a place at your table in your home for Jesus today. Let him be the unseen guest at that meal. This is how Jesus meets us in the meal that we Christians call communion. And so this morning it's a privilege to lead us all in this meal. First of all, I want to give these words of institution from the scriptures, from John chapter 6, beginning with verse 32. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven And gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. And then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Whenever we share this meal together as Christians, we can also be reminded of the truth of the feeding and the meal that Jesus wants to give us as he has declared he is the bread of life. I also want us to just bow shortly and give a time of own personal confession. This is a time for you to just silently offer your own confession of your sin to Christ in preparation for us to take this meal. Would you do that quietly now?
Lord Jesus Christ, hear these our prayers of confession. And now from the scriptures, receive this as an assurance of the pardon that we have through the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's actually an Old Testament text from Isaiah 57, 15. For this is what the high and exalted one says, he who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. So be assured this morning that your confession has been heard and has been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. This meal reminds us that in this simple act on the road, that Jesus revealed himself by breaking bread with these two disciples in Emmaus. And so in like manner, in the upper room, Jesus took an ordinary cup and he poured into it and he gave new meaning to something that was very ordinary for them. And he said, now this is the blood of the covenant, my blood poured out and shed for you. Do you join me as we bless the elements that you have in your own home? Lord Jesus Christ, you have given us of your body and blood. We now pray that this will become nourishment, a meal for us in what we need as we honor you as the giver of life. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you now to take the bread and share it with those in your home. Partake of the bread together. And also, take the cup, the cup of Christ's suffering, and share it with joy with each other. Upon receiving the body and blood of Jesus Christ, I now invite us to recite this as a closing prayer. Lord Jesus, be our companion in the way. Kindle our hearts and awaken hope that we may know thee as thou art revealed in scripture and through the breaking of bread. Grant this for the sake of thy love. Amen.